This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for public relations professionals. Writing is such a huge component of what we do in PR and blogs are just one of those elements. My guest, Kerry Murphy from Movado Communications, joins me to provide some insight and tips on how to be more effective when it comes to writing blogs. Kerry, welcome to the PR Pod. Thanks, Brooke. So tell us, what is a blog and how are they utilised in the context of PR? So a blog is uh, basically a a self-published piece of media, a a short article. So in the PR context, it's usually, you know, something around the thought leadership of of your client or, um, you know, about why a new products of interest that's usually posted to their own website um, and it's regularly updated where it fits into PR is that we talk a lot about um, the concept of it's either called core or cope but it's like create once run everywhere or repurpose everywhere or yeah create once or put anywhere hmm. everywhere but it's basically making sure that whether someone uh, encounters your client in the context of an article they read in the newspaper versus going to visit their website, that they're getting the same sort of uh, information and the same consistent messaging. So, I mean, they can range in length anywhere from about, you know, 400 up to about 900 words. um, And, uh, and it's very much written in, in the structure of, of a, of an article but probably a few things about, you know, getting keywords and important things into that first paragraph. And what is the value of keywords? I mean, um, why is it important to integrate them in? I guess is the first question. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you, you want people to find what you're doing and, um, I mean, luckily for us as content creators, um, you know, search engines prioritize content and longer content. So sometimes, and this has changed a little bit now, but sometimes you will go and you will find a blog that's like 1,000 words written on the most inane, not worthy of 1,000 words topic. (laughs) And And that's because somewhere someone has been told, you need to have long articles to to get found and, and right. ranked by Google. The thing about that is, okay, Google is ranking you, but they're not reading you. So you mm. actually want you want engaging content that people want to read, and and maybe you don't need you know a thousand words on a new type of fork or whatever. So how do you work out, you know, if you do want to be found by SEO and mm-hmm. um, and that search engine optimization? Yes. So that means if let's say I'm typing in a topic or a word or a phrase into Google. It's, um, you know, where you, where that, um, where articles rank. Yes. So if it is important to be ranking higher, you do have to incorporate relevant keywords in. Yeah. How, how many keywords should you be integrating in and how do you know what are the right keywords? Well, uh, this is something to uh, especially if you're working if you're not directly involved in 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 sort of the seo aspect of of it which you know probably fits more into the marketing realm than the pr well some clients provide us with uh a basically a list each quarter of the keywords that the topic and they're basically really they're very useful because it's the topics you want to be focused on because that's what they're interested in driving most attention so it 
you don't want to be, um, you know, slamming them into the point where it just seems awkward. Mm. But you want to make sure that the phrases, like everything has 15 different words words for it. You want to make sure that the, you know, the phrase that you're using to describe the client's product is the phrase that they want to, that they're trying to rank for on the search engine. So yeah, it's going to be consistency with your messaging. Yeah. So, um, you know, so making sure that you were, you were getting in those words and then I guess search engines reward like reappearance. So if, if someone's linking to your article and doing all those things, so it all just fits into a bigger ecosystem, but then also as a reader, you want if 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 I read an article online about a client and then I type that phrase into Google, I want the client's <laughs> page to be right up the top, yeah. Rather than say a competitor, because if you're at the you know that we you talk about sales funnel and and how customers make their journey through it from the discovery to the consideration, you know, down that to all the way through to purchase. If you're in the discovery phase and, you know, it's quite easy for somebody to hijack your PR mm. of an in, a general awareness of a topic and then get in with, you know, their client above yours. Is there um, an amount of times keywords should be used in an article to be found by Google? You know, do you need to repeat a word or a phrase a couple of times to have, give yourself greater chance of being discovered? Look, I think that you would find different advice on that. <laughs> and, you know, and one of the things is Google does not reveal how yeah. it does it. So <laughs> everyone is all, always a guess. My, my thing about that is you don't want to do anything at the point of natural language. And, you know, as an editor, things that I edit out is the same words repeated a million times mm. in the article because it just sounds like you're making the same point over and over again and it gets very repetitive and I lose interest in in what yeah. you're talking about so so it's it's there are you know it is good to work keywords in and chances are if your clients working with an SEO um put, they would have their own sort of advice that they they that they're working from and you can just adhere to that so if someone asks you to write a blog for for your business or for a client um you may be provided with some keywords or you know a topic and some keywords related to that topic and if you're not um you can either ask Mm -hmm. your manager for things that are important or create a list yourself and then go back to your manager and say look these are the words that i think are you know um are relevant or these are some of the themes i think are Mm -hmm. important to include in that because i guess just like when you're writing a a media release you don't just sit down and start writing you need to do research in advance yeah yeah obviously um a lot of research what you can you know both on the topic that you're writing and also the style of what the the blog's going to be in we tend to when we write blogs we just go away and write an outline so just bullet points um quite detailed so i sometimes laugh that like yeah you just take out the bullet points and add a few connecting (laughs) words and there's your blog because yeah to do that but it's sort of you know we tend to write an outline send it over to the client a because you don't want to waste your time spending something that they're going to come back and go no but oftentimes if if that might prompt them to go oh hang on so-and-so gave a presentation about that here's their deck and then you've suddenly got a whole lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily know to tease out and they wouldn't know to give you but just seeing it is what sparks it Mm, absolutely 
Okay, so if you are sitting down to write a blog, A, understanding what the theme is, what the topic is, doing some research around that, what's the next stage that you would recommend? Uh, having, having, having a point of view, um, making sure that you know the point and not trying to put too many points of view into one thing. Like it's best to have a clear message. Um, you know, it, it, you know, for instance, say your topic was, um, having manual sign-in sheets at restaurants for COVID safety is a data security issue waiting to happen. Um, you would focus on, you know, explaining why it's a problem. You know, statistics and data around that is always good and and what the solution is. And, you know, of course, the solution happens to be whatever your client's solution is <laughs> and, and so on. But then you wouldn't then try and cram in something about that wasn't about sign-in sheets at restaurants. That was about an entirely still data related, but something else like, you know, password security in an office. It's like, well, that's not that's not what we're trying to talk about here. Mm -hmm. So having a narrow focus, um, something that can be, you know, articulated in, in an elevator pitch and then fleshed out. In terms of incorporating backlinks or, or links between either articles on that, on your client's website or, or on the blog or externally out to, let's say, a source, you know, maybe you're quoting some data or a reference there and it's something you've pulled from another article um, how important is it to have those links in there? Do they make much of a difference? Um, yes. I mean, like Google's reward linking, but it, it also actually weighs into the authenticity of what you're saying, especially if you're linking to a piece of, you know, analyst research or, or something like that. So, for instance, um, you know, we've had clients that work in um, mobile phones, say, and there was one statistic that you would just see everywhere and then one day I kind of went I have no idea where this widely touted statistic comes from so I just went on a bit of a thing to see if I could get to the end of the rainbow and then from the original article that all these sources cited it turns out it was actually just a blog on someone on a company website where someone went half the time you do this and mm -hmm. then it turned into this statistic like 50% of and it was like clear from the context did this is just something that someone's it's just an opinion someone has yeah, versus a, and and, yeah. and the fifty percent was a turn of phrase, not an actual stat. So, uh, <laughs> so um, you know, having 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 links that people then can click onto to verify that you know that what you're talking about is 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 useful. And I guess blogs also help if you're trying to develop a thought leader. You mm -hmm. know, let's say you are representing someone who has got some, I don't know, new exercise technique or something, you want them to be known for being the blah, mm -hmm. blah person. Yeah. Having blogs help build up that credibility. So, um, A, if media want to interview them, they kind of have got a whole spectrum of information this person could talk about. Um, what other value can blogs add for a company? Um, it's also a way that amplifies the work you've done in, in getting them coverage. For instance, um, you can, you know, if you get an article um, published, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a magazine or uh, online or something, you can often, and you need to clear this with the publication beforehand, but if, you've, if an article that you've written and pitched is run in, in a magazine, you would also then put that as a blog on the website with a little 
this article first appeared in publication mm-hmm. and, and a link to the publication. So it's making get, getting extra value out of the you know the work that you do, and it's 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 part of that you know people don't read one article and decide to buy a product or go yeah. somewhere or something. It's a chance for them to sort of do more more research. Do you think all companies should have blogs? Uh, not necessarily. A um, number of factors of that is like, you know, there might not be that uh, that <laughs> that much stuff to write about um, and things like that. But also, I mean, if you've got endless resources, like that blog is, is being produced at the expense of another activity that could be more effective. So, um, you know, blogs work well in the b2c um space like business to uh, sorry b2b space so businesses selling to other businesses because you know if i'm a manager wanting to invest in something it's not just going down to the shops and buying a can of soft drink that's a big expense i need to do research i might not understand the topic i might need to sort of start myself on an education journey Mm. is there um is there value in producing blogs more regularly and to your point just then it comes down to resources and and, Mm -hmm. you know how it works as a tactic as part of a a PR plan Um, what are the pros and cons of posting blogs regularly Um, yeah I mean there's all this measurable you know there's a measurable stuff that they analyze what's most effective about blogs and stuff like that and I think the 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 thing is like for a small business it's better to do once a week and then <laughs> uh, you know for a big end it's like you know up to five times a week and and that that's a full-time job yeah and that's not going to happen so the the value in having a blog is consistency and that you can actually deliver it so you mm. know if if you can get into a rhythm with the blog, I think that's the most important thing. Like knowing every Wednesday a blog goes up, then that's what people expect, and that's how you yeah. can build audience. Um, making sure that you actually have something to say, though, is, is is sort of really thing, and not just. I mean, it's it's hard because blogs are sort of a real one of the areas where things really blur between marketing and and you know comms. Um, but it can't just be, you know, our product is best, says blog on our product website. So yeah. um, making sure that it's you can produce something that's... Adding that's value, isn't it? Adding value, yeah. yeah. Um, is it important to incorporate imagery in there, whether they are photos, whether they are infographics? Yes. Anything you can do to break up the text is really, really important. Um, imagery is very important. Um usually you know people imagery with people in them is good uh it tends to get more response than imagery without people um just although that said being where you know we have a running joke in our agency about the most cliched stock photos that people can put in and it can just be you know men in suit shaking hands and yeah yeah, all that so um you know having trying to put at an effort into finding a picture that isn't something someone's seen a million times before. And there are um, uh, picture agencies out there that you can get free stock images for. However, the free stock images are widely utilised, like you said. Yes, but I have noticed, and this is just anecdotally, uh, you can sort of find a bit more unpredictable ones at those 
at those websites, mm-hmm. whereas the big, the, the the ones that cost money tend to be, you know, quite almost conservative in the type of right. photos they deliver. So if you have a client where you think you can get away with, you know, a weird picture of someone in a bunny suit, that's <laughs> certainly going to get my attention if I'm scrolling through Twitter and I might click through to read on a link. But, yeah. But it also has to make sense for the brand. And I guess you also have to think about... Um not just with the imagery, but with your content, what makes sense for the audience? You know, mm-hmm. is it a B2B audience where you're talking to another business who might want to buy your product? Mm-hmm. Are you talking to a 20 to 25 year old female who might want a, an affordable range of makeup mm-hmm. um, items? You need to understand your audience to make sure you're using the appropriate language. Yes. The appropriate language for, for them and yeah. also the appropriate language for if you're writing a blog in a PR capacity, chances are it's not your name that's going to be on the top of, of the blog. So yes. if you're, you know, writing about, um, you know, you have to understand roughly, you know, what type, what level of role you're writing for. So, and mm. oftentimes you won't get told up front. So one of the first questions you should probably ask is who are we attributing it to? Yeah. Because then you don't, and I mean, I try to weave in anecdotes and things like that and you Mm -hmm. want you know something to be natural to that person's life and I think I was laughing one time I had to write a blog from the perspective of a German man living in Singapore (laughs) (laughs) that's very specific (laughs) and at at this company so then I was just kind of like this is like you know um inception level (laughs) yeah trying to understand things (laughs) um in terms of, you know, we talked about how imagery has helped breaking up the eyes using headlines mm-hmm. and dot points. Is yes. that is is that a good yeah, yep. tactic? Um, yeah, subheads are really, really important. Probably want to have them at, you know, at least n- no more than 300 word blocks. Right. But obviously paragraphs and that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I always look at subheads as your opportunity to get information to people who are just, drive-bys so Mm. if you're just scrolling down the page then a subhead that pops out with a salient point is is you know gonna gonna get their attention and they might you know retain that bit of messaging um absolutely you should be getting someone to proofread it or edit it after you've written Mm -hmm. um because that process, and especially if you're brand new to, to writing blogs, whether you're new to writing them full stop, whether you're new to writing them, let's say, to a company and you may be attributing them to a CEO and you have not written in that person's language before, it may take a little while to, mm-hmm. to kind of develop the appropriate tone. Um, so you need to be allowing a little bit of time, don't you, for that process. Mm-hmm. Say you've got to deliver a blog on a Wednesday you've got to build in that time for someone to edit it and to proofread and go back and forth. Yes, absolutely. And you've also got to do enough, ideally enough time for you to take a break, come back and do a final revision before you get it. I mean, luckily now there are a lot of tools like Word, for instance. If you go and play around in the proofing settings, you can set it whether you have to write in formal language or informal language, you can set it so it picks up racist sexist ageist whatever is wow i didn't know that yeah look. and um and also uh, you know like unnecessary un, un, un words so when you speak you tend to stack a whole lot of unnecessary words into the sentence um which is how you think but when you're <laughs> writing you you, you want to trim down as many words as possible and you know 
one tip I, I, I heard and liked a thing is if you do a search for words that end in L-Y and then delete, you can usually delete them because it's like really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So finding all those ones. So, you know, if something is really good, then it's fantastic, great, magnificent, yeah, whatever. So doing yeah. that. Um, if you can't get someone to proofread it, you can also use in Word, turn on the uh, the voice, the read aloud, and it can read aloud, and that's how you can pick up when you've used similar sounding words by mistake. Or or um, and also there's lots of online tools like uh, even the free version of Grammarly. Yeah. And there's things like um, it's called uh, there's one called the Hemingway app, and there's another one I think called Expresso, and they basically you can put your put it in and it'll analyze it'll say what level of you know how educated the audience needs to be to understand it how many things you've put things in uh, a passive voice as opposed to an active voice because an active voice a is shorter words but actually has you know more impact on the reader and and emphasizes the Mm. right the you know it's more dynamic so it can come and pull all those things out to you I mean you need to be a little bit careful because those things can do your head in to the point where you're, you know, there's there's a tool called, um, there's tools you can get to analyze how effective your headlines are for SEO. So you can put your headline into that oh, wow. and it'll give you a, a, a percentage. But again, you can't forget the rule of, yes, all these tools are handy, but a human has got to read it. For instance, I once figured out that if you just put a really rude swear word at the end of the headline, this thing automatically gave it a higher score, which is not something you're actually going to pull pull to your clients. So, (laughs) I mean, these these are always, I guess, guides, not not absolute rules, but there are so many tools to, to help with writing. And I guess you should also think about what the kind of call to action or the purposes at the end of it, you know, if it is business to business, um, you know, is it that you want to um, push any further queries into a, to a salesperson? Mm-hmm. Is there another blog you want to send people to? Do you want to link through to your services page so people can read more about the products? Yes, if you're fortunate enough to have had someone to actually get to the bottom of, you, bottom of your article <laughs> without clicking away, you don't want to let them go. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, having, having, having that call to action is really important because you want them to take a next step and making sure it's not too many steps, you know, like you don't, if they've just read a blog finding out about something you might not want to book a demo but you might want to have you know in the b2b space you might want them to download a white paper that has more detail about this or things like that because if if it's it's a bit like you know if you go into a gym and they're they're just suddenly signing you up and you're just like no i just wanted to look around like you've got to get the audience to a comfort level where they're ready to take Mm, the next step absolutely once you have written and it has been published, um, you also need to think about how else you can share it across your assets, don't you? Mm-hmm. Because you've got um, newsletters, you know, if your company or the company that you're writing for has a regular newsletter, you might want to share it out through that. Um, because you do want to increase the touch points that people will have to access this information. And I might not subscribe to a company's newsletter, but I follow them on Instagram. Or yep. I don't follow them on Instagram, but I do follow them on Facebook. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's that's really important because chances are nobody's waking up and thinking i wonder what company x's blog is saying today yes so you know getting out getting it get on linkedin either you post if you have the the keys to their account or if 
you know, prompting the person who you wrote it for, can you amplify this on your channels? That's mm-hmm. really important. So it doesn't just have to be the company website, but their own personal website. And for instance, LinkedIn research shows that people are much more likely to interact and comment and things like that if it's coming from a personal post rather right. than a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, things like that. You have to be a little bit careful about because, you know, Google rules in, in terms of that they are, they can detect whether the same content's appearing <laughs> on multiple websites that gets marked a bit, you know, suspicious, but there's mm-hmm. no reason that once the blog's published on there, you can, pub, you know, there's a blog feature on LinkedIn. Is it worth publishing it there or is it better just to put a link to the blog and then mm. get people into your ecosystem? Yes. You know, Medium, you can self-publish long-form articles there. You know, is it worth putting it on, on Medium again? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a whole range of stuff. Okay. I think it's a great place to finish. Thank you so much for your time today, Kerry. All right. Thanks, Brooke. And if you're listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you taking a minute to give the podcast a quick rating and review. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.